We're in business to save the planet, and we use making clothes to do that. The cure for depression is action. Every one of us has to step up and do what you can according to what your resources are. Hello, friends. How's it going? That was the voice of Patagonia's Yvonne Chouinard, and this is Type 2, a podcast from Looking Sideways in association with Patagonia that explores the intersection between outdoors, action sports and activism. Now, in each show, I've been meeting people who are using their passion and involvement with the cultures we all love to create change. We've been discussing the issues they're involved in, the changes they're seeking to create, the difficulties involved and the rewards that follow. Hope you enjoy this episode. My guest this week is big wave surfer Andrea Moller. And to give you an idea of what a legend Andrea is, let me just run you through the week she had before we spoke for this episode. So as you might know, in January 2021, Hawaii was visited by a huge swell that saw every spot light up proper style and saw some truly incredible envelope pushing surfing go down now as a maui local and one of the world's preeminent big wave surfers andrea was right in the thick of it as she explained so friday she was chaperoning 13 year old ripper sissy simpson kane at huge jaws saturday she was part of the safety team keeping everybody safe at yet another session sunday she was out scoring some bombs herself the rest of the week she was back at the day job as a paramedic Like I say, she is a total legend. And in this episode, it was really fascinating hearing about this swell in the context of how the local community prepares for a situation like that. And water safety, as Andrea explained, is at the heart of this. Andrea is part of the Big Wave Risk Assessment Group, and she's an integral part of this organization that's trying to organize and redefine the concept of water safety and not just for big wave surfers, as I discovered during our conversation Now, as we've been learning during each episode of Type 2, activism takes many, many forms. It can be panoramic in scope, try to deal with huge issues, or it can be about focusing on specific issues and affecting change for good in the local community or a very specific community. And in this way, I think the Big Wave Risk Assessment Group is leading the charge among the surf community. It's basically a passionate, engaged an experienced group of people sharing their knowledge and experience to tackle an increasingly pressing issue head on and benefiting the wider community while they're at it. So we talked about that. It's fascinating stuff. We also delved into Andrea's own incredible career as a pioneer of big wave surfing. Great episode, this one. Really enjoyed it. Hope you do too. Nice one. How are you? Are you good? You had a good day? You've been working, you said. Yeah, I'm working, but I've, I'm always working. <laughs> um, yeah. No, things are good. Just spend, you know, a whole week in the water and my life's pretty much work and play, hopefully. And you're a paramedic, right? Yes. I work full time in the ambulance. Um, been, I've been on the road since 2008. So right. quite a, a lot of um, things that I've seen and hope to prevent maybe in the future maybe that's why i'm right okay and so i think it'd be great to start talking about last week you know where what's the date today i think it's the 20 the 25th of january and obviously you know we're off the back of a pretty significant swell that you guys have had over there um that's made headlines around the world you know huge 
like huge talking points about how that went down. So how how was that experience for you? Because you were obviously surfing as well, right? Right. You know, I I personally had a, a a great experience. You know, I know that there was accidents that happened, and and we're all looking into that. But I think Maui, we're definitely coming together with with the guys that have been doing rescues there and the jet skis uh, on Sunday. So there was two big days. Actually, there's three big days here or a little more. Um, I got off work on Friday, and that's the day that I took Sissy out. You know, it was almost yeah. like I, I dedicated that day for her. I've been doing that to, to some girls here and there, and mainly with the intention of, you know, learn before the big day. Um, yeah. But she scored a big day. <laughs> and then and she's, and she's 12, right? She's 13. 13. Um, yeah. And she scored a yeah like a massive wave. So how was can we can we can we quickly talk about that because I before we get into the the other days that you mentioned because obviously I saw that on your Instagram and uh, yeah I mean that was one of the that was one of the really incredible things about the last week like how many like super young kids were out there absolutely charging right yeah well there's definitely a new wave of a uh, new generation coming and they're so hungry to charge. And I think my main goal is maybe to get a little bit of my experience from, you know, first of all, I had people that helped me when I was a kid, you know, I had Yuri and Maria Souza. They were like, here's how you drive the ski. Here's how you tow. Here's how you get rescued. So now that I'm getting a little older, I'm like, you know, I'm seeing this kid, especially girls. Um, Cece is Ty Simpson's uh, sister. And I see him with his dad there. And every time I see them surfing, I'm like, where's Cece? Bring her out. And I talked to her mom and she's like, well, you know, like I just got too nervous. It's like it's too nerve wracking for her parents to maybe allow her to go out on bigger days. So a couple of times this year or in the past year, I I would take her out, you know, on a small day, you know, okay, here's the Patagonia vest and here's how you inflate it. Let's dive deep and let's inflate it so you feel it, you know. And even teaching her how to drive my ski and do pickups and, you know, do just have fun, basically have fun out there. And, and if, if that's what you want, you know, telling her, like, if that's what you want and we got to practice, you know, you can't just be the young kid saying, I'm going to surf jaws or I'm going to get barreled. You know, there's a lot that comes to it or even learning how to wipe out. Like you almost need a wipe out to appreciate what you, what you're dominating there or the way you're going to surf. Um, so Friday, it was kind of a day in between swells. I think Thursday was big. Friday was going to be massive. And I thought it was going to be small. And I'm like, hey, let's go out there and play. <laughs> and we brought like paddle boards and tow boards. And it was the goal was just let's go and have fun. And, and she has such a contagious smile and happiness to her that it's, um, it's very rewarding just to be surrounded by her and her family like they're so um thankful and happy and so there we went we went and had fun and um at the first few waves I was kind of I was nervous because you know she's young and you don't know and what am I going to tell her parents and of course I feel like I would always be blamed if something happened you know so you're you're cautious to the max which is I think it's good for them too for them to learn that Let's catch a shoulder and see how you do, you know, a little bumpy day, a little windy day. She did great. And then I have a video. I had the GoPro in my, in my jet ski and I have a video of me like, okay, next one, I'm going to go a little deeper, you know, 
And then my facial expression, every time she let go of the rope and she went, I'm like, <gasps> you know, it takes a little while for her, for you to see that she made it. So it was, um, it was such a special day. And, and there you go. It, it paid off. She's, she surfed so well in, in my opinion, like how she, how she rode the wave, how she read, when to leave, when to let the rope go. Um, and she was there already. Like, can I paddle next? <laughs> Uh, so I'm like, yeah, well, you know, maybe next time. Um, but yeah, Friday was basically a day and all the kids were there. The, the Robertson's brothers were there. And, um, so to see a little girl, you know, being a part of that crew, um, you know, back in my time, it would be a lot of like, that was boys only, you know? So it's, it's so great to be able to let, let the girls be part of that team. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you actually is it is it you must be really happy that you can give somebody like that the opportunity and the and the and the open access and the welcome to that environment that perhaps your generation didn't immediately get yeah yeah there's definitely um a push for that and i gotta admit i'm not by myself on that mission i think when um Bianca Valenti, Cala Canale, Paige and myself when we kind of teamed up to be like let's fight for equality it even erased that awareness for me of like, you know, if I'm going to help a little surfer, I want to help a girl. I mean, not, not that it really matters, but she definitely inspired me, you know, to help a girl going out there. And Paige is doing the same. You know, you can see her helping Easy, and we're both kind of helping Annie. And just, you know, we're, we're probably doing what for me wasn't done. You know, I had a time of um, what are you doing here? You know, I had a time of it's too big for you. Are you you know, somebody's going to get hurt, you know, and you knew that they were just waiting for us to get hurt to then criticize us. So we had to be extremely cautious in order to earn our spot in the lineup. So I think this new generation is one, I think that barrier is broken. So they're a little more accepted, but let's not give them a reason to push you out. You know, if CC was to get hurt that day, maybe it would have been like, what are you doing with a 13 year old girl here? So so we practiced many times before we went to Peahi and we chose a day that was um, safe. And another thing that will lead that to our subject of rescue, I went there with a team. You know, I went there with Yuri that had his jet ski. So as I'm towing her, we had one jet ski just to do the rescue if that was needed. So they're seeing her fall before I get to see that. Um, and... And then I'm not also the only adult there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be an interesting thing, actually, for people that, that are not, because I have a big, big range of listeners to the to the podcast, surfers, skateboarders, snowboarders. So for people that aren't super familiar with the big wave community and, and, and how it happens on days like this, could you explain a little bit about the safety protocols that are in place? Like that you, you, know, you explained a little bit there about the fact that there's a team, that you put, put a team together. So how does it actually work in practice well let's you know you see that surfer you know being a surfer you can have just a surfboard and you go out on a break and you go out in there and you catch your own waves it's kind of a solo sport um i came from paddling where it's like team sport and then you go into surfing where you you can go by yourself on any surf break and catch your waves and go back home and you're stoked and big wave surfing started kind of pushing that there's a lot more risk involved and you know, if we have 
somebody helping you or if you have a better equipment, right? Like when, when they started toe surfing, adding weights to the board so you're not bouncing so much, you know, the, and then in the, you know, the, we had life jackets. And then if you want to paddle into big wave surfing, the life jacket is no longer feasible because it's, it bothers you for paddling on a surfboard. So then we created, or that, there was created that inflatable vest, you know. So there was a whole progression to the sport where we made big wave surfing a little safer. Now the wetsuits, um, so you don't, depending on if the vest is going to inflate or not, the wetsuits actually have the pads and something that already helps you with flotation. So you're not missing that flotation part of it. And then it progressed into, I think, to me personally, you know, I remember Ian Walsh having his two brothers, his twin brothers, kind of like, we're going to be here for my brother. So they would take a ski and just be there for them. And that just created into a group of boys kind of like, you know, helping in the water, basically to one or another surfer. And eventually any surfer that was wiping out, they were rescuing. And one, it kind of taught them like, wow, like we, we all got to think as a, as a family here on how we're going to organize this rescue thing. And two, it allowed the surfers to know that they can charge more and go bigger because they will be rescued. Um, of course, there's a big dilemma now on like surfers that are not really ready for it, but they're the rescue or the jet ski or the inflatable vest gives you a fake sense of security. So there's that dilemma. But however, for the guys that are like super prepared, you know, Kailani, Ian Walsh, and the name, the list goes on. There's a good list of guys, and they're they're ready. They come in with the team, and you know, they'll have a boat, they have a photographer, they have a jet skis to save them. Um, so you see the progression. And Bragg was, Bragg was incredibly, to, to me and my personal opinion, was incredibly effective on unifying everybody on the same page as what exactly is the rescue or what exactly are we watching for. And teaching those that had a fake sense of security of, oh, this is all I need, it's an inflatable vest. And it's like, no, you've got to learn um, techniques, breathing techniques or um, CPR. You know, if something is to hit the fan, how are we going to extricate? How are we going to save this person? So we're trying to get like worldwide everybody to have the same idea on in a couple of different steps. So it's not panic time. So it's unifying this organic kind of safety community that already existed as you described, like this kind of, you know, organic evolution of the, of the culture around big wave surfing, which as it developed and people, as you say, the equipment enabled people to put themselves more easily at risk, then this community developed and Bragg has almost like codified this practice so that the way that people, so is it, is it now, is it now quite, quite organized? So if you take an event like last week, you know, you mentioned the three days of, of swell. Is there is there almost like a standard organizational practice that you guys have, like when it comes to something like that? Do, do, is, there, is there a process that you all follow that you all know that's going to happen? You know, we're getting there. But the best part of it is that everybody is in the same picture of we want to perfect. Um, what is What it is organized is that there's definitely guys, they're designated rescues, and that's 
all they do and they take pride on what they do and they work hard to what they do. And um, just, you know, if, if you mess up, you're at the ro- on the rocks and either you're going to really get hurt. And So these guys, they're, they're so awesome when it comes down to a true rescue close to the rocks, a lot of foam, a lot of white water. You know, the shore break is, you know, overhead high. So um, where before it was kind of like Ian, maybe his brothers, I think now there's a crew that, you know, they, they got radios. We got one photographer that now he's like up on the cliff telling when the sets are coming. Uh, they actually break down to um, on the foam and the white water, like a zone one, which is closer to the to the actual break of the wave. And then zone two is the midline. Zone three is by the rocks. Uh, so the photographer, whoever's on the cliff calling, they're like surfer down zone two. So the jet skis, they already have an organization of who's going to rescue this guy. So it's not like five jet skis are at once. Um, I, you know, I kind of joining the, the team a little bit being a paramedic. So I have quite of equipment and a little bit of knowledge that I think I can, sh- you know, be there for them. So on Sunday, I dedicated myself to actually, because we knew it was going to be a paddle day and that's a lot more risk than a toe surfing day. Um, right toe surfing, you can, you have foot straps, the, the success rate for completing, completing the wave is much higher. Um, so I remember in the Harbor in the morning, there's, there's one guy, particularly Curtis, uh, chunky that we are like, I look at Curtis, I'm like, Curtis, I got all my three Pelican cases of paramedic equipment. Where can I put this? And he's like, put it on this boat. So now we all knew that's the boat that if something happens, we're going to bring him there. We all have radios. So one guy um, had a bad wipeout. He was, we were like, he's almost losing consciousness. So they're in the radio, Andre, I'm checking him out. I, I could be with him while the, now the rescuers can keep rescuing. And he is in the care of somebody that have a little bit of medical knowledge to be with him. So it's getting there. We are actually, um, we want to meet to you know, to put all the worst case scenarios and what, what is the solution. And um, the organization BRAG is probably part of that, like how many times we meet every year and we discuss that in the course. So now we, everybody took the course, everybody has that ISS mentality. All we need to do is unify for a specific break on Maui. You know, and I hope, I think Nazareth has a pretty organized system as well. And I believe Oahu's hopefully they are working on that. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I spoke to Greg Long about this a couple of years ago as well when I, when I interviewed him. And one thing that really struck me speaking to Greg was it sounds like a lot of it is also just trying to get people to make good decisions themselves, like good judgment calls. You know, he used the analogy of if you go skiing or snowboarding off piste, you know, you wouldn't really, people do do it and they're unprepared, but these days it's, there's a very serious culture of like, if you don't have the right equipment, if you don't have the right training, you just don't, you just don't do it. You just don't go, you, you don't go off into the back country. You know, if you've got any experience or knowledge, you know, you make a judgment call to try and stay safe. And obviously incidents do happen where people still get in trouble and, and unfortunately die. But, you know, there's a culture of that. And, and it sounds like from a couple of things that he said and that you've said, you're actually just trying to get people to make the right judgment calls about like, should you actually be there 
you know, should you even be in this environment, make make the right decisions so that for the safety of everybody is is that a big part of this this process? Definitely. And the one thing it is that you can't be like, okay, you should think about it and you should decide or you should like, you, you obviously you don't have the right wetsuit. You know, yesterday I took a friend on the jet ski and she's like on bikini and I'm like, well, it was kind of windy and cold. Like, didn't you think of a wetsuit, right? Like simple things, but not everybody has that experience to understand that they're missing a part in their kit. And that's, I think Bragg brings a lot of that, like, you know, I never even thought of practicing breathing techniques, which is so clear, but it was actually the Bragg course that I was like, oh, breathing techniques, like, how about, you know, get better at holding your breath um, or equipment. So there, there is, and that's what we see in the young generation now that I think there's a lot of grown ups. they're like the vest, the wetsuit, the padded, things that not everybody think about or thought about. Um, and ultimately is that sense of security that the equipment is going to save you. Um, so we want everybody to think about how can they, they can get better. And if they don't know how, because they're not experienced enough, we want to provide that information of what's realistic that you really need. Another thing that I see a lot and coming from a, from a medic is that I have, um, I had one guy, you know, that brought up to me like, oh, do you have a, a backboard? We need a backboard because if somebody breaks their neck, we need a backboard. And I'm like, okay, um, are you going to backboard them in the water and have them all strapped on a board that sinks? You, you can't do that. So we need a boat. Do we have a designated boat? And then if you backboard them, is that boat going to take them all the way to the harbor? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to call a helicopter. Okay. Is the helicopter going to land on the boat? So there's a lot of there's a lot of scenarios that we need to think about to come up with a real a solution that is reasonable and not just, you know, let's let's unite people that have experiences and come up with solutions and then share that experience, which is what Bragg does, in my opinion, like Brian Calonis, yeah. right? Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. That seems like the, the genesis of it, really. Um, could you could you explain a little bit more about about how the organization started and and um, you know the people that are actually involved in it you just mentioned brian obviously who's a huge figure in the community um yeah what's the background like where did it where did it come from yeah so what i believe i mean there's probably details that i will miss on this story here but i believe uh uh Sion Milosky, that's how i pronounce it when he passed and there was that drowning, it was, it was very heavy. At least Danilo was my close friend. And I remember Danilo calling me and not understanding why the medics stopped CPR and pronounced him, right? Like there was that, like, I don't understand. Like, I, you know, and I remember explaining to him some medical part of it, but he was really shooken up. And I think him and Cole kind of got together and like, we got to make this better. We got to learn how to do chest compression. So maybe if we had started earlier, if we knew what to do, uh, we can do better. And he really um, had the idea and both of them kind of put something together. And I think Bragg was officially started in 2014, where Brian Kellana being such a waterman himself, being um, such a legend and, and lifeguard and, and the ton of experience that he has, I think we approached him, not we, Danilo Cole. They're probably like looking for help us, help us teach here or 
somehow they formed the group. Uh, so I came in after 2014 just as a surfer. And I remember them teaching CPR and I just joined the class and shared my information and just helped. Uh, I really saw the need of um, we all need to unite. Whoever has some kind of experience in some different uh, platform, uh, let's put this all together. You know, um, so 2014, they started and now it's like a yearly, um, at least on Oahu, it was every December having a class. It's a two day class and has you know, from first aid, CPR, to um, showing different equipments, and also, you know, being able to analyze the risks, you know, like, before you go out, check out where's the current, where's the channel, you know, watch for a little bit, if they wipe out, where's this going to go, like, think before you go out, and analyze, uh, we use a, um, the ISS, which kind of breaks it down on, on an emergency, um, so it's it's an incredible to me. I'm like devoted to that. I totally believe on unifying. If everybody's unified on how to communicate in the water and what to do, then there's no confusion when it happens. Um, not sure if I fumbled myself on that one. No, it sounded good. <laughs> sounded, sounded 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 really clear. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that really strikes me about the you know, the conversation that we're having and also just from reading around the the whole topic is it is a real community, isn't it? You know, there's there's a real passing down of knowledge going on. There's, you know, there's like the, the, the whole ethos behind not only Bragg, but also the water safety community that you're a part of is really about like the most experienced people try to share the, the knowledge that they've spent a lifetime in many cases, like as in the case of Brian. Um, to, to share that knowledge for the greater good. And, and even when you were telling the story about taking Sissy out as well, you know, like it's, there, there is this whole community aspect to, to this that is, seems to be really important. Absolutely. And I think that's where big wave surfing is kind of different from the regular surfing, right? You stop in the parking lot, get your surfboard, go out. Hopefully the lifeguard's watching and you hope that people sitting around you, they know what to do. If you get bitten by a shark, do they know that you can add a tourniquet? Like, is there that knowledge? So, you know, in my vision, I hope that what Bragg is doing, we can actually bring it out to the regular surfer or to free divers. I just had like a work call where we lost two kids free diving together. And you're like, why? How did they not see it? Right? So I think it's something that... Um, it should be community on, on all this water sports, just a, a true awareness of, you know, um, understanding the risks and knowing what to do if something comes up. But big wave surfing, it was actually emotional to see how you went from me, me, me and my wave and my record and, you know, the XXL award to we got to be in this together. And once, and now I think it's, it's flowering this idea of being together. You know, now we, we really, at least to me, I've been seeing a huge difference of there's no one heroes. Nobody can do it by themselves. The surfer no longer, you see on many posts now that it's like, you know, here's my wave, but thank you so much for the rescue crew, which a few years ago, I, we wouldn't see that. It was like an invisible uh, part of big wave surfing. And I really believe yeah, that. Yeah, that's actually really... Yeah, that's actually really true, isn't it? When you, when you say that, if you look at the 
the wave in Ireland recently, um, a couple of months ago, you know, the driver got as much, it was almost like as big a part of that story as the surfer, you know, um, which is, yeah, it's, you're right. It's a really recent thing, isn't it? That that's, that's kind of happening, which is, and that's how it should be. Cause it's, it's as, it's as critical, isn't it? To enable this. Yeah. It's, I, I, <laughs> I think it's a teamwork of your, your jet ski driver that either puts you in a wave as far as toe surfing, like that driver to put you right there on the spot is huge. Um, as far as paddle surfing would be the guy that is rescuing you, the jet ski guy that actually, you know, you see Paige and Sean, like Sean is there for her and he's going to be there all day and whatever wave she catches, he's going to be there. So he's dedicating his entire day for her to catch that wave. And, you know, they're a real team. Um, and also ultimately is having the photographer or videographer, which is, I know has nothing to do with rescue on this subject, but how big they are a part of this, you know, making the sport being shared worldwide and making awards or making the career of surfing. If you want to be a professional surfer, you need those images. So we're even involving like, sometimes when we have the rescue meetings, it's like, we got to add the photographer because they're in the back of the jet skis. And, you know, for me, anybody that comes to the back of my jet ski, you better have everything waterproof because you're going to jump in the water so we can do a rescue, which is something that we saw that in the past, it's, it's brought into the bread course of like how many times we had where the videographer's in the back, he hired the jet ski and the rescue's happening and the jet skis are they, you know, wait a second, like what's my job here, you know? So I think now everybody's in the water. If you're in the water, if you're in the channel, you're automatically there to help the worst case scenario. Everybody should stop surfing until the rescue is done, right? Something that was brought before that people keep surfing. So it's no longer just you and your wave and your surf session. We, we are absolutely there together. Are you noticing with swells like you've just experienced that there are more and more new faces? Are you, are you seeing it get a lot busier, a lot more crowded, a lot more difficult to manage? Oh man, I feel like it, it was always crowded and it was always somewhat difficult to manage on my, my history thinking. Like I remember back in before people were paddling in at Jaws and we were toe surfing that it was like a zigzag of jet skis. <laughs> and then when paddle surfing became the thing, then like, I mean, I've, it was rare the days that I surfed Piahi that it wasn't like 50 people on the lineup. So I feel like it's a, it's a chaos just because it's such a, you know, it's people really want to charge and the opportunities are so little. Um, not always that Jaws breaks or Waimea or Mavericks or Nazareth. So, but there is a new wave, new generation. Um, and hopefully they respect the people that were there before them in a way of like, let me learn from them. Yeah. Especially when it come down to rescuing or preparing yourself. You know, I, I, I just don't want to see a kid coming and getting fame right away because that was a big wave, but disregard the, the preparation that comes to going bigger and better. But yeah, it's, it's chaotic. It has been chaotic. The channel is chaotic. The, the, the boats are tons of people. We had had boats that flipped over and everybody's in the water and it turns into chaos. Um, but I see a bigger difference into there's more awareness to prevent things. Although it's still happening, right? Like the jet ski that, went over the the lip well yeah that's that's the most famous sort of example from last week isn't it but i guess that's why it makes it so important like you're saying that the message of brag is 
to be as inclusive as possible you know like those courses that you that you mentioned you know they're not just for big wave surfers like you say they are for all water users they are for all people who who are interested in learning more about the ocean like it looks like there's a lot of different approaches to the to the water like that are being attracted by the course and the message oh yeah if everybody in that channel needs to know cpr you know test compressions you know tourniquets add a tourniquet every jet ski should have a tourniquet and it should be unified no matter why you're there you should be able to help and maybe know somewhat what to do and if you don't, is get involved. You know what? What is the courses? You know now with the pandemic, is it online courses? You know let's let's sign up. Let's get get into the get into the game and and see what's you know what do we got to do. And ultimately, you know it's not perfect. Yesterday I was talking to Paige on the phone, and we're like, "What if this happened? What would we do?" And I told her, you know, that's my job in the in the paramedic field. Every nine one one call is a is a box of surprises. And you don't know. And you're going to have challenges. You know, you're going to have, you know, more people than you thought you would have. And you need more resources. And you have to make the decision based on some experience or based on previous training. Or you just got to make a decision. And hopefully that's the right decision. So, you know, we're never going to be perfect. Accidents are going to continue to happen. But there is a big chance of preventing them if we prepare ourselves. So you said you worked safety one day, you took Sissy out one day, and you also surfed as well for yourself? Oh, yes. How I'm always that? I'm always hoping to kind of get out there. Uh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I went out on Saturday, um, got out there. It was really windy. It was victorious sea just coming up. I thought the swell was going to peak later in the day, or maybe I knew it was going to be windy, so I started a little later. I think we got at the harbor at maybe 10 in the morning. So it was like that middle of the day going upwind and there was, it felt like it was a 30 knot wind against you on a jet ski. So when I got to Peahi, it was, I was cold and tired and I almost needed a little time there. And there was a lot of wind surfers and, and kiting and winging and there's a lot going on. And then eventually that very first window of the wind is going to get a little lighter and let's go before the crowd. Uh, Yuri Soledaji is my right hand on big wave surfing. He has been a mentor to me, a coach, a friend, a team. And he just looked at me and he's like, don't even think about it. Like, put the fins on your board and let's go. And uh, yeah, he, he told me on some. It was a toe surfing day, not a paddle day. It was just kind of a, a big and everybody was toe surfing. Uh, so he put me on some awesome waves i had a, a blast the face of the wave was actually nice and you know there was a um yeah it was actually better than i thought when i started surfing justine got an incredible barrel and that was sick watching it was actually really i was right there watching i had a fred pompermeyer on the jet ski when she caught that wave and that was inspiring so yeah yeah amazing when when you're out on a day like that you know like I guess you must get asked this a lot, but I think it's always really interesting for people. Like, do you ever get, do you ever mentally get used to it or is it every time, is it, is it, a, is it a new experience? If that makes sense. Uh, to me personally, every time is a, is a new experience. Um, every time I'm all about like loving the journey. It's kind of a cheesy thing, but you know, it's, it's those friends that are with you. It's sharing the moment with, with the people and, so every day is a special day for me. I really tend to appreciate my present and what happens each and every day. Uh, 
So every way, I, I really enjoy it. You know, I, I, I don't think I get used to that. And, you know, as far as, as Jaws, it's rare that you get a, a nice day, right? Sometimes you go out there and it's not breaking right or it's too windy. or So every time you get there, yeah, and I don't know when again, right? When again are we going to have a swell? Are we going to have a swell? Are we going to have a good, good conditions? So, no, every, every time is epic or... You you gotta come home with a big smile. If nobody got hurt, everybody was stoked. Um, I think my waves to me were were big, and I'm stoked. What when did you start really wanting to explore big wave surfing personally? Like how old how old were you when you started to realize that this was the the direction that you were particularly interested in? Well, in 2004. Um, I met, uh, Maria Souza. She was, uh, Laird Hamilton's ex-wife. And I think there was a little bit of like, that's my ex-husband and I'm going to go bigger than he can. You know, there was Maria, <laughs> Maria, Maria was an incredible athlete, water woman herself. She was friends with Yudi back then. And I was probably 23. My daughter was one year old, but I was kind of, you know, I was a windsurfer. I loved surfing. I crossed some channels paddling. And I think she saw me as like, hey, do you want to? Oh, back then, we there was toe surfing only. And we wanted, I wanted to toe surf. And I remember like, I had neighbors that had jet skis. And I would ask them like, please take me, you know, please take me. And either you would never be taken or they would take you, put you on one shoulder wave. Hopefully you're happy, and now that was that's your turn. One of the things was for you to toe surf, you need to drive so you can take turns. So if you don't know how to drive the jet ski, that was it. Like, I'll put you on a wave, now get back to shore so I can do my thing with my teammate. So Maria and I decided to, that's when Maria approached me, and she's like, okay, you're, you're not getting out there. I know you want it. I want to get out there, but I'm not. Like, we we were blocked. There was no women, and there was no space for women. We weren't supposed to be there, in their opinion. So we bought a jet ski, a, a broken used jet ski, and we had to learn it from scratch. We had to learn the, the rescues, had to learn how to cross. I lived on a beach and had to cross the reef barrier to get to the, <laughs> to the outer reef to surf. Many times the jet ski broke and we had to swim the jet ski to shore. So we learned we learned everything. We learned not, not just surfing big waves, but to, um, to mess up and fix it up. Um, and we, we knew that we had to be cautious of not messing it up too bad to not be kicked out of the lineup. And then from then, we just practiced, practiced until we got to Peahi and started looking and be like, oh, wh- why were we surfing the outer reef? Like, I think we can't do this. And then we, we started going to Peahi. And it was basically, that was it. Like, that was that, you know, you, you get, in Portuguese, I would say that the bug bite you when you're like, now you're addicted to that. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think the, there was such, so many barriers put up for you? Because obviously, as a woman, I mean, because obviously there would have been men learning as well who presumably didn't have the same difficulty that you were faced with because you know you're kind of describing that is like quite a closed shop at that time you know like this is what we do you don't you don't get to do that you know like be happy with one shoulder and see you later kind of thing why why do you think that was 
Well, you know, in, in their defense, you know, they, you know, I know a few friends from back then that it's like, they're, they're afraid, just like me with Sissy, right? Like, I'm going to put you on the shoulder and see how you do. And I felt a little bit responsible for her, you know, so I felt like maybe there was a little bit of fear that they thought we would get hurt. You know, there was maybe no trust, you know, that, that vision that the woman is more fragile and she's not going to be able to do it or, you know, so for us, it was really about slowly earning the respect and, I think we actually had to prepare ourselves twice as much because we had to um, get our legs strong. You know, maybe something that was natural for a windsurfer to get on a tow board and tow big waves. You know, we were like, okay, um, we need to get strong, work out. You know, Mario's into yoga and like breathing already back then. And um, also communicating in the water. It wasn't like yelling and screaming and panicking. You know, it's like we had to, I, I feel like we had to almost have our shit together a little more, um, you know, really pay extra attention and, and learn. But yeah, maybe it was that fear or maybe there was a little bit of an ego too, you know, like, uh, you know, here, wh- why is this girl here? I don't know. I've, I, I'm going to run away from a negative point of view and just believe that it was just, they didn't know what we were capable of. Yeah. Yeah, well, it must be must be great to see, you know, how it's opened up now and the opportunities that you're able to give to people to the next generation, like you described. Yeah, um, yeah. If I can, if I can give like the time that Maria gave me in the water and all that she taught me, and then came Yuri Solidaji, you know, as in paddle surfing and kind of making they really made me believe that I could, you know, how many times I called Yudi and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go to this, you know, there's a competition when, when women competition started, I wasn't really a surf competitor. I was always kind of a paddler, you know, and he's like, you're the only one that charges and you, you, you know, there's, I don't know. I would get off the phone just like empowered by his belief on me and, and still, yeah, to this day, you know, just Saturday, he's looking at me and he's like, you can totally do this. Like, don't even question yourself. And I don't think he does that to to fill me up. I think he truly believes on me. And, and yeah, and that's great. And if I can pass that along with the experience of responsibility, you know, with the experience of teaching the kids to also respect the water, the wave, the power of, you know, you're going to get hurt. I've gotten hurt before. So however I can share and help, um, that's basically what I'm here for. I'm stoked to, to be there no matter what, if it's to watch and help or take Cece out. That day, I surfed that day, but that day I came home and I, I didn't even care about my photos or my waves or anything. It was just, it was so cool to see her smile and to see her happiness and to see uh, even Ty Simpson, who is such a charger, you know, to see the happiness on his face, like that's bigger than any wave. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you really got that sense of camaraderie from from seeing like the aftermath of of it. You know, there was you could see that it had been like a huge, like for a lot of people, it had been a, a huge event. Really, that had really, you know, something that they'd worked so hard for and that you know, people had kind of, like you say, yeah, there'd been some incidents, but most people had got through it and just basically, you know, it's the culmination of a lifetime's kind of work for a lot of people, right? You know, something like that. Right. 
you know, and there's a lot of work that goes into it that I don't think it's uh, seen or appreciated, you know, and I, I think again, like on the, on the brag thing, it's when they divided on different subjects, it makes you realize how you got to think all around um, what, what to do to get ready to surf big waves. You know, it's, um, I know there was one of the dilemmas on, the, <laughs> I think WSL posted a video of um, a guy, sorry, I don't know the name, but he was like, the problem out there is the jet skis, you know, and now kooks are out there, you know. Oh, kind of well, a, I saw it. It was, uh, yeah. I think it was Pat O'Connell maybe. Yeah, I saw that as well. We make the Mick Fanning thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I was kind of bummed, you know, because if he wasn't for the jet skis, if he wasn't for Curtis and and Kaipo and Daniel and there's a, big there's some guys there that that's they're they're changing surfing right they're, they're there in the jet skis and rescuing um you know how many waves you get held down if you don't have a jet ski to pick you up and i'm not saying let the cook go out there and surf and have a fake, fake test of security but i'm saying how kylani and ian and you know there's big names how they can go out there and know that they're you know that they're gonna get picked up and it's it's changing the level of surfing in my opinion how this whole rescue awareness is allowing people to charge and i'm going to focus on the professional guys that can charge and it is it's giving them the leeway well you can see the progression as well you know like the the progression is 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 insane like every time every time there's a swell like this it's all you know the the bar's getting raised the, the the performance level and and that has to be down to this like you say this safety protocol right because without that it, it would be difficult for people to feel like they could push the performance level to that extent if you look at what kai was doing last week if you look at you know what a lot of the yeah, you know, there's endless examples we could name but it must be down to that right because otherwise it's, there's no platform for that performance progression yeah, exactly. They, you know, they, they know they can't, somebody will be watching and to not take away how they prepare for their own body physics to do what they're doing. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, they're really putting time in there and um, hopefully, you know, the kids take that as an example as it's, it's not just the wave. There's a lot more that come to you, you know, a good night of sleep and, eat the right food and you know just it's my, my mind body soul everything has to kind of be ready for you to put yourself at risk ultimately they they need to understand the risk that they're taking when they go out on big waves you know and a jet ski won't prevent you from running out of oxygen down under the water and blacking out you know they may never find you and so you know you really got to get ready don't don't take anything for granted um, but you know, we, we still going to team up and, and, and do the rescues and hopefully the athlete is ready. We are trying to kind of think what to do with, um, you know, the surfers that paddle from the rocks, you know, that we don't even know who they are sometimes. And you just, you know, they don't have a buddy, you know, they come in, come here without a budget. And I totally respect that. And, um, paddle out without any preparedness you know they don't have a place to sit uh to drink water or to eat during the day sometimes you go to jaws and you're there all day waiting for that time that jet ski day 
uh, I think I got in the harbor at 10, but I only really surfed around 4 p.m. So that's a long day that you're waiting to get out. So for those surfers that are coming in, land on Maui, don't really know anybody, just get to the cliff, climb down and, and paddle from the rocks. And now they're waiting a long day. They're partially already tired and dehydrated. The rescue guys don't really know them personally. So, you know, of course, they're not going to see somebody struggling and not going to help. But we're trying to think of how can we help them be more of, of a part of this group of a safety in the water. Um, that's another thing to Yeah, I guess that as it increases in popularity, it's just going to become something you need to manage, right? Like Because there must be more and more people putting themselves in that position. So yeah, it's not like you can ignore it. Like you say, you just have to try and find a way of managing it, right? Yeah, which one of the way of managing is to be able to share the safety information that is unified to make sure that they are in with, you know, if you paddle from the rocks, at least you know how to get rescued on a jet ski or, and I think Bragg does that. You know, they're, they are trying to touch everywhere, you know, hopefully everybody that would be one of the courses that would say, if you, at least if you do that, you know a little bit of what we're doing. And yeah, that's, that's part of that. But, you know, get, being prepared is a big one. Hopefully they're prepared and it's not a fake sense of security. Yeah. Um, well, that was great. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing it, especially because you just finished work. <laughs> was, that, was that a long shift? No, not too bad. I mean, I do 48-hour shifts. Um, so we do 48 on and four days off. So I have four days off coming, and I can surf and uh, do stuff at the house. And uh, Yeah, no, I, I, I really like my job. We, we work up country Maui, so it's, uh, it's not that bad. You know, I do have time to sleep. And um, I think that the key thing is to be able to manage what I see at work and not bring the tragedy home and hopefully I get surf. That's my main therapy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to ask you about that because obviously that's a very emotionally involving line of work that you're in. Um, and, and then your, your downtime, your, your is, is also very emotionally involving clearly. So have you, have you learned to kind of manage those mental you know, the, the pole, the two poles that you've got, like, is, is that something that you've had to, to learn how to almost to compartmentalize, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's an ongoing process. I think that the longer you are on the field, um, you know, things that as things that didn't affect me before, maybe affecting me a little more because I get to see, I work in the area that I live. So sometimes I, the person I, I know them and their family. So that's kind of a, a problem for me. However, um, I do some therapy every now and then there is some meditation work and ultimately is the ocean. Like, um, every time I'm surfing out there, I'm, you know, I'm not debating on things that could have gone better or thinking about the parents who lost the kid. Like, you know, I, I really tend to, I kind of keep myself busy um, and being involved with the community, being able to, you know, I have a program where we go to schools and teach all fifth graders. Everybody needs to learn CPR or at least to recognize, to call 911. And so, however, I think helping is probably one of my ways of coping. Um, I've had in this past month, I have a few 
drownings, and those are extremely hard for me just because of the sport that I do, right? Like drowning is a hard call to, especially the young one that is preventable. You know, had they known what to do, had they analyzed why were they out there at that time? So uh, I think part of coping is hoping to share the information and preventing that accident. And I think that's my passion of being part of this rescue crew, you know, is knowing that I think my experience and my knowledge can make a difference in the water. And that's all I want to do. So there you go. That was me and Andre Muller. And I hope you enjoyed it. Surfer and driver, Doe, had a proper brain fade there while we were talking. I was referring, of course, to Conor Maguire and Barry Mottershead when we were chatting about that. Who I've had, pl- had the pleasure of meeting Barry, proper legend, as well as exactly the man you want slinging you into that type of mully help it that Connor tamed towards the tail end of last year. What I really enjoyed about this episode with Andrea, well, I enjoyed a lot of the things we talked about, but one particular thing was the vision of localism that it offered. If you'll forgive a slight housekeeping corner digression, regulars to my usual looking sideways, listeners will get that reference. So over at my Instagram at We Look Sideways, I recently, a little unwittingly, sparked quite a debate about localism, which was focused upon issues at my local waves, which is about as far removed physically, culturally and qualitatively from Andrea's arena as it's possible to get. Anyway, the localism debate is really played out, obviously, and very well worn. But a couple of people made some interesting points which was that at its best, localism can be a force for good in the community, both in and out of the water. It was a point that Dave Rastovich made when I interviewed him for an episode of Type 2. And it really struck me that the Big Wave Risk Assessment Group is a similarly positive endeavour. I mean, take the scenario Andrea outlined where she was saying that people are paddling out to Jaws alone from the cliffs. I mean, that is obviously quite a mad thing that's happening if you're a local and you've spent your life dedicated to to that arena you, you know you've got to choose how you react to that and the local solution has been to try and constructively share their knowledge so that people can make better more informed and safer decisions and as andrea said you know we're talking about like how can we help make these people safe first and foremost it's why i asked the question about the importance of community and the tradition that this is obviously coming from And I think it's great, obviously, as you can probably gather. You want to find out more about the Big Wave Risk Assessment Group, you can find them over at www.bwrag.com. They're launching their Surf Responder online course next month, which is geared towards surfers and ocean athletes of all levels and abilities, which is another thing that Andrea alluded to during our chat. As you gathered from the interview, students will learn life-saving skills and tactics from some of the world's most accomplished watermen and women over eight modules, Andrea included. Interesting thing this, anyone wishing to purchase a Patagonia PSI vest must complete this course first. The course will be available online at the Bragg website. Bragg, hope I got that right, from next month. So go and have a look. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode and for supporting Type 2 generally. I release new episodes of Type 2 every month or so through my usual Looking Sideways channel. You can subscribe via Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast purveyors. And you can find the entire Type 2 back catalogue and the entire archive of my main Looking Sideways podcast 
over at www.wearelookingsideways.com where you're going to find close to 150 interviews with some of the biggest names in action sports and other related endeavors. I'm also, as mentioned, quite active on Instagram at We Look Sideways if you want to come and say hello or you can send me an email at podcast at wearelookingsideways.com. All right, nice one. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.